Are you selling your medical devices in the UK? And because of Brexit, you need a UK responsible person by January 1st, 2021? Okay, then you should contact me now by email at info at easymedicaldevice.com. Info at easymedicaldevice.com. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today, we will try to help you to understand how to manage your clinical evaluation uh, if you have some high-risk products. And uh, with me, I have Dr. Basil Accra from CUNIC, uh, and he will help us to understand that through the different new requirements mainly, and also about the new groups that are created, like the expert panel group that uh, is normally here also to evaluate uh, your work uh, or all the clinical information that you are providing to, uh, to the notified body. So Basile, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you, Monier, for inviting me to, to be part of your uh, new podcast. Uh, congratulations again for your success uh, the past months and years. Uh, happy to be here with you to talk to you about the expert panel and their preparation and readiness for uh, manufacturers and notified bodies to be able to serve them. So Basil Akra is my name. I work at CUNIC. I'm a CEO and co-owner of this company and happy to support you with answering some of the questions regarding expert panels. Yeah, I think I think it's really important because um, with the transition between MDD and MDR, uh, there was more requirements in terms of clinical evaluation. Uh, and I think it's something that uh, we need to clarify because there is a lot of uh, customers that maybe don't understand that or don't really understand what they they will do uh, with, the, with the, their devices if they don't have clinical data. Or even if they have clinical data, they should understand that there is more steps now with the MDR than, than before. So we are trying to, to look at that but can we start at the beginning just to explain maybe what are the the, the new requirements in terms of clinical evaluation uh, for medical devices with the EUMDR because there is more so what, what are they so if we look on on a clinical evaluation and try to understand what is the difference between the directive and the regulation uh, the the difference is actually can be split into two parts uh, the first part is that everyone is saying Europe is expecting more clinical evidence. And this is related to the fact that uh, the European system is limiting the possibility to have equivalency unless you have uh, a demonstration of equivalency, which was already under the directive a requirement, but now it's an enforced requirement. So it's enforced because people are expecting you to do that and they are not uh, trying to, to follow, let's say, different approaches anymore because harmonization is getting much stronger in Europe and notified bodies are expecting uh, nearly the same expectation from manufacturers with regard to equivalency. The second point is related to special devices, which are class three and implantable devices, where with the new regulation, the expectation is to have a clinical data from a clinical investigation. And uh, for those devices, manufacturers are required to do 
clinical studies to be able to fulfill the requirement unless they have already clinical data which is justifying safety performance and clinical benefit of the device when used as intended. So uh, in terms of in terms of that, so notified bodies are reviewing all those information now. Uh, um, I mean, they have to review that. Uh, I also saw that they have uh, the MDCG also issued um, a specific template, if I can say, for them to review clinical evaluation reports. So um, it is really well guided, if I can say. It is we are really paving the the route for for manufacturers and for notified bodies to do that. So. It means that we have already, we know already what we are looking for within those requirements. I mean, MDCG is doing a great job at giving us more clarity. We never had such an amount of guidance before, so we are getting more guidance. But more clarity would mean uh, more efforts to fulfill these requirements because suddenly now notified bodies need to fulfill uh, the expectation on writing a clinical evaluation assessment report, which is getting too much detailed report. And uh, well, this will push manufacturers to, to create much more evidence because uh, they, they are seeing now what is the notified body questions would be in the clinical evaluation assessment report, which will be, by the way, applicable for all devices. The first idea to create such an assessment report was to, to address the devices which will undergo a clinical evaluation consultation. We're gonna talk about this later on during our uh, exchange today. But uh, then uh, now what we see that notified bodies are expected to use this template for all classes, which means that uh, for 2A, 2B device and the class 3, they need to write such a report. And if they need to write such a report, they're gonna expect uh, the same level of information from the manufacturer in the clinical evaluation report, which is understandable when you look to the regulation. The regulation is not differing between 2A and class 3. They are expecting the same level of evidence for all classes of devices. Okay, so it means that what we thought will be helpful <laughs> at the end is not really helping, it's creating more problems. <laughs> yeah, because more, I mean, if you need to write a, a, a detailed report with a lot of expectation, the effort on documentation is getting higher, which means that uh, to be able to fulfill all of these expectations, notified bodies will need more time. Manufacturers will get more questions. So somehow it is helpful that you know what is expected. And therefore, uh, on the other side, you need to make sure that manufacturers deliver the pieces of the answer in a way that the notified bodies can do their job in a lean way. But if you don't have the answers already as a manufacturer, uh, then the notified bodies will be asking these questions because they have to fulfill the obligation of writing such a report. Okay. So... Um... As, as we've said, the, the MDR is increasing the requirements. The MDCG increased that by providing guidance for all, all classes. So notified bodies now, what they, when they will review the clinical information, if I can say, they will have made really a full review of everything. So everything should be secured. But now we are introducing the expert panel. So which is something that is additional to all this. So um, what is the impact then for the medical device industry to have this expert panel, which is, if we remember, for class three and class uh, to be, um, to be, it's, it's actually specific devices. Yes. So, so what what is now the the impact of having that there? So uh, let me explain first of all, because uh, to make clear which devices are impacted. Here we are referring to class three implantable. So just the class three implantable devices and class two B, which are to introduce and or remove medicinal substance 
and body fluids from the human body, which are according to Rule 12 of the classification rules of the medical device regulation, which are Rule 12, Class 2B. For those devices, the medical device regulation is expecting from notified bodies to consult an expert panel to get an opinion. Uh, similarly, like we at, uh, at that time in the past when we had the drug device combination, notified bodies were not allowed to do the job alone. They needed to consult an authority with regard to the drug. Now, with regard to those devices, notified bodies are required to consult an expert panel to get an opinion on the clinical evaluation and their work what they have done as an assessment. And the expert panel will provide an opinion, which is uh, telling the notified bodies how they see it. And this opinion has to be considered by the notified body in their closure of assessment and decision-making. This is the so-called uh, uh, enforced consultation of notified bodies. It's not applicable for all class three implantable. The MDCG guidance documents, which were issued in the past months, gave us some clarities uh, regarding which devices are impacted. So if you have an MDD device moving to the medical device regulation, you don't need to have a clinical evaluation consultation unless the device will be modified and modified in a way which is actually introducing an impact on the benefit risk profile of the device, which is a negative impact, then a clinical evaluation consultation will be necessary. So this a clinical evaluation consultation will be necessary for new devices or for devices with a design which is changing in comparison to the past. We had also some additional guidance with regard to this to give us some clarities on when will the expert panel be willing to provide an opinion. So it's not every time that when you share the document, an opinion will come back. So this is uh, very essential and therefore it's highly recommended by manufacturers to look to their device, to their design, and understand whether an expert panel opinion is necessary or not, because this will have an impact on the timeline of the submission. So it means that it's the manufacturer who has to, dis, uh, to, to really evaluate that, investigate that, or the notified body is also helping them to say, I think an expert panel will be needed for this one. So the manufacturer is, is the first one in the row to prepare the documentation and to justify uh, the differences if they are moving from MDD or active implantable medical device directive to the regulation to say what kind, to give the transparency, to clarify what kind of, of changes they have implemented. If they implemented changes which are just to address the MDR requirement, then they need to make it clear because based on this information, the notified body will need to make a conclusion on whether an expert panel involvement is necessary or not. So um, when we said well, when we say expert panel, so um, can we maybe just clarify now what who will be inside this uh, this expert panel? Because if I remember, um, there was a, a, a kind of a, a public requ request from the EU Commission to hire people, so they provided really uh, guidance, even how much they will be paid, how what they will be doing, etc. So, who are the people that are selected now? Do we have a list? Is it public or? The list is not public yet, but the European Commission created a website, and uh, I can share with you the link to that website where you're going to find the information uh, when they are available. So they are currently working on the finalization because uh, they elected the experts. So to give you an example, who are the experts you ask? Those are applicants who fulfilled the, the requirement uh, as they were published by the European Commission. And they have been elected by the commission to be actually experts who can act for the European Commission and deliver an opinion. So those are professors, perhaps, from university hospitals, 
uh, other subject matter experts who fulfill the requirement and are willing to act for the commission. And then their name will be publicly available. Um, and depending on the type of device, so if you are dealing with a cardiovascular new device or you are dealing with an ophthalmologist device, uh, the expert panel will be elected based on the needs, based on the relevant question which is necessary. And um, so at this moment, what we know is uh, that the expert panel are available, but they are undergoing a training process to be able to be prepared to deliver services in the future. One important point that those expert panel will be providing an opinion to notified bodies, but the regulation is talking about also a voluntary consultation. Uh, but till now, we don't know whether this voluntary consultation will be available at the beginning. Based on my knowledge, this voluntary consultation will not be available at the beginning because it's voluntary for the commission as well as for the system. And this is actually the voluntary consultation is intended to deliver an opinion to the manufacturers uh, in advance on their clinical strategy based on the fact that the notified bodies currently, they do not do any kind of pre-assessment anymore. So uh, the commission created this expert panel voluntary consultation, but we will not have it on time. What we're going to have, we're going to have the enforced expert panel, uh, as I mentioned, when notified bodies are required to get an opinion from uh, subject matter expert on their clinical evaluation assessment. So uh, something that you just said, so when notified bodies require an opinion, can notified bodies say, no, I don't require your opinion, I move forward and I approve it? Uh, if they fulfill, they, they have, the notified bodies based on Article 54 of the, not, uh, of the regulation, they are required to, to, to involve the expert panel unless uh, they fulfill the requirement of not doing a clinical evaluation consultation because the device is an MDD device, which okay. was not actually, uh, let's say, modified from moving from legacy to the MDR, but is the same device, then they can document that they don't need to provide uh, to get an opinion from the expert panel. Now, what we need to consider that the medical device regulation is saying anyhow, any time when the notified bodies are doing a clinical evaluation assessment of a class three implantable or a class to be rule 12, which is fulfilling what we discussed before, they are required after certification to upload their assessment to UDAMED. As soon as we have UDAMED, this is for mm -hmm. sure, so we need to keep this into, uh, into consideration. But uh, this means that even if the notified bodies will not provide an op uh, get an opinion, they are still required to be transparent on when they got an opinion and when not. And this will be achieved through the UDAMAT system, which is going to ensure transparency about the whole process. Okay. Now, I think it's, it's important here because one, th one point that I, I was thinking now, I'm saying, okay, but if I am now a manufacturer of a class three device, new class three device implantable, and I want to put that on the market, and I require so then the notified body to, to give me the certificate, uh, are we blocked here because we have no expert panel or the notified body can move forward because there is no expert panel? The notified bodies are in case there is an expert panel involvement required, like I have a completely new device entering the market for the first time, um, and there is no expert panel process up and running, and you are required to involve them, you are not allowed as a notified body to issue a certificate oh. before you, you, the expert panel is available. So I remember from my time when I was at the notified body, um, uh, I was uh, clearly informed by the authority that uh, if there is an expert panel involvement necessary and there is no expert panel, then the certification decision 
cannot be made without the expert panel. This means that the notified body can start the work, but they cannot finalize it until they get the expert panel opinion. But the European Commission did a good job in, in publishing a document recently where, where they clarified um, when the expert panel is going to provide an opinion. And actually, you will see out of this document that the Commission uh, uh, wants to make it as a special case to provide an opinion. So not to have it as a standard case like everyone was expecting, but even if the notified body is going to submit for an expert panel opinion, as you know, in the regulation, it's written in 21 days, the expert panel needs to decide whether an opinion is required or not. And if you look to the criteria which were published by the European Commission, they actually don't want to provide an opinion for every case. They want to make it in special cases that they provide an opinion. So they make it actually very reasonable. And they want to, to, to avoid that the expert panel will be a bottleneck, which is very supportive and really towards a, a, a lean process on, on involving expert panel just in very critical cases, ensuring that the notified bodies are doing the assessment uh, solely and just in special cases that the expert panel will come back with an opinion. No, I think it's it's great. Uh, flexibility is always helping everybody. And uh, as you mentioned, yeah. it's something that then you are not really blocked because uh, they will not uh, try to ask an expert panel to make an evaluation of a product that has no kind of danger or is not like a high high risk one. So um, in terms of expert panel, we talked also about the voluntary consultation. Here, is it something that every manufacturer can request or just the class three and class two B devices, special to B devices? I mean, the hope would be that every manufacturer is able to request that. But if you look to the regulation, uh, like I mentioned, it's a voluntary consultation. So it's a free decision to go and consult those expert panels. Um, and if you look to the regulation, the regulation is just referring to class three implantable and class two B, which are to introduce or remove medicinal substances. Now, if we want to make a hope, the hope should be that every manufacturer would have an ability to get such consultation. The problem is that those expert panels will provide an opinion but it is not binding and your notified body will be taking a decision. So if you want to get an opinion, it's better to get an opinion from you or from me because it's, we, we, we are much more familiar with the expert, let's say, feedback of a notified body than an expert panel who was introduced for the first time into the system and doesn't have the, the knowledge about the expectation of, of a notified body and how notified bodies will be acting. Because uh, what we said, as you, as you mentioned about the, the people that will be on this expert panel, uh, it's not like people that maybe had a lot of industry experience. It's more like, as you said, people that are maybe professors that are just studying at the university, etc. So can there be a kind of... A, um, a mismatch, if I can say, in terms of expectation, because one will say, oh, we think it's okay, but the notified body will say, no, it's not because uh, there is some issues. It would happen. I mean, uh, I remember when I was at the notified body, we were hiring clinicians, for example, uh, which are professional clinicians. And you don't need to train a clinician to be a cardiovascular surgeon or to be an, uh, an orthopedic surgeon. But we need to train them on the regulatory uh, framework to explain to them how you deal with the requirement. And uh, I, I'm not sure how the commission will be dealing with this because uh, you can't train them, but it takes a lot of time. And that the notified body, when we hire the physician, they needed at least uh, one year, at least, to, to, to understand uh, the rules and to, to really be regulatory-wise, uh, well-equipped to give a feedback with regard to non-conformities related to the requirements. So I, I assume that the opinion of the expert panel will be much more focusing just on 
on the clinical uh, or uh, let's say other aspect where they are uh, uh, delivering a professional background, but they will not be able to build the correlation directly from the beginning between uh, their expectation and the regulatory requirements. And I think there is a need for a lot of training to make sure that this is happening, avoiding that you have this mismatch, which you just mentioned, because this mismatch could lead to a lot of problems in the system and could uh, um, uh, lead to a lot of discussion which are not necessary. Manufacturer will, will be looking for an initial consultation, voluntary consultation, because they want to understand whether uh, they are on the right pathway and they want to reduce the risk of repeating activities. And the problem is that the notified bodies are not involved in such meetings. So my recommendation to any manufacturer who's going to take and make use of this voluntary consultation as soon as it is available, because we don't know if it will be available at all, if it's available, that they just do such a consultation when they have the notified bodies already selected and they take the notified body with them to such a meeting to make sure that the notified body can at least comment on the strategy and provide the expert panel with their feedback on how they see some activities. Now, I think it's interesting because, as you said, it's not uh, legally binding, so it's not like something that uh, they will provide a report that you can use to say that they told me that, so I will do it, etc. Um, but um, as you as you as you've said, also we can have this voluntary um, consultation, if I can say, from this expert panel. Um, do we need to pay for that, or it's something that is free of charge? Nothing is free of charge, uh, as you know. So uh, I think if you uh, the expert. Uh, need to be paid, as you recognize from the European Commission, yeah. and uh, someone needs to recover those costs. And uh, we don't know what will be the cost of such a, a let's say, scientific advice meeting yet, but we know from experience with EMA, with competent authorities, they deliver such services for drug uh, substances or for drug device combination, and they are always uh, um, uh, chargeable meetings, so they, they put a fee. Uh, we don't know a lot about the fee uh, structure yet, uh, um, but this will be made public as well from the European Commission as soon as the system is up and running. Uh, what we know is that they're going to differ between big companies and small companies. So big companies will need to pay more than small companies based on what we, we learned from uh, the previous years in the discussion that was happening in the preparation of the expert panel. Okay, so I think it's great because, uh, yeah, uh, we have really to have a lot of transparency on this process so that we can define a strategy. I imagine some companies that say, oh, my consultant cost me more than this, uh, than this uh, voluntary consulting panel, so maybe I will go to the consulting panel instead of going to my consultants. Uh, and maybe, yeah, they, this is kind of thing that can happen, and it's why we need to really to have some transparency here for explaining them what what is the pathway and what are the difficulties and the fact also that this has no legally, uh, it's not legally binding. So at the end, what they are saying is just an opinion. So we have really to, to take that into account, but it cannot help also at the, at the end. Um, okay, so I think yeah, here it's it's an important discussion that maybe we'll have in future because things are in process to be to be prepared. But as we've said, we have already with the MDR more requirements. We have now more requirements with the um, the guidances that we are finding from the MDCG. We have now more requirements with the expert panel. So it's like with that, I suppose. I mean, I'm not sure, but I suppose that it cannot. A scandal like the PIP scandal cannot happen anymore then. 
Um, I, I, I think this is a very interesting point that you're just mentioning. Uh, I'm not sure if the expert panel and the whole harmonization will avoid scandals. Scandals are, uh, we, we are referring to a fraud situation and fraud cannot be controlled in any business area. So we saw it already, not just in the medical device field, in other fields as well. It's a kind of risk mitigation that we are seeing here, but it is not, there is no risk that you can go up to zero. So you can't mitigate the risk to zero. You can't mitigate it to an, an acceptable level. And uh, if someone wants to create, uh, a, a, let's say, a new fraud situation, we will see it again coming with the best regulation ever. So there is no possibility to avoid 100% such a situation again. Okay. No, I think it's it's important also to mention that the fact that we have this new regulation is not here to help avoiding these kind of scandals. Uh, the thing is really to also uh, the object is also to um, to um, follow, if I can say, the technology that we are having with all the new software technologies, with all the new uh, things that are coming in future that we are not regulated with the previous regulation. Now the, it is with the with the new one. So it's more that yeah. we are that we are following the scandals because we are sure yeah. that yeah, anybody that wants yeah. to make a scandal can make. A scandal, so it's not like a, a regulation like this one that can stop it. But um, but I think it's, it's important to, to remember that, to remind that to the people. Um, in terms of um, Cunic now, so forgot ChiefSuit because you were ChiefSuit now you are Cunic. So um, you are helping, I suppose, now a lot of manufacturers. I think um, we had the episode uh, 100 where you said mainly uh, specifically that you want now to move to help more manufacturers. So uh, what what are you doing now at Cunic and how you are helping those manufacturers? So Cunic is, is uh, helping manufacturers in different business areas. So we are helping manufacturers who are innovators, uh, startups starting from scratch. We build them the quality management system to prepare them for the requirement for IVDR, for MDR. So we start from scratch, but we also help manufacturers who are already on the market and wanted to move from MDD to MDR or IMDD to MDR or IVDD to IVDR. So we do all kinds of activities. We help with the quality management system. Uh, we, we write SOPs for manufacturers. We build the quality management system for the manufacturers. We train them on the requirement, prepare them to understand the requirement, to educate them toward the future. But we also help them on, on moving their technical documentation from the old system to the new system by looking to their current status, uh, building up gap analysis, uh, telling them where, where are the gaps, working with them on closing those gaps, but also on, on moving towards the MDR and IVDR in a lean way because complexity is something that we need to avoid. And therefore, we help manufacturers preparing for the new requirement, which is not new anymore. It's uh, many years old, but it is yeah. new for a lot of organizations. But we help them understand it and implement it accordingly. So we do all of these activities uh, with a special attention on what we discussed today. Clinical is the biggest burden for a lot of manufacturers. So we try to help them also understand what are the obligations on a clinical side for the different classes, what are the post-market requirements, and helps them also uh, uh, prepare for the, the changes in a way that they feel confident in, in this period also where notified bodies are still not certifying or virtually. And uh, therefore, we, we try to, to help manufacturers understanding how they should settle their project plan to ensure that they make best use of this, uh, let's say, remaining time till date of application to make actually their system up and running whenever the notified bodies can start auditing them according to the new obligations. 
No, I think it's great. And the fact that you are coming from a notified body, I suppose is helping you a lot <laughs> to tell them exactly what are the rules that they have to follow, what are the, the obstacles that they can maybe get and how you can uh, overcome those obstacles. Yeah, it's, it's always good to, to speak the same language of the counterpart. And I think this is a big benefit uh, by, by being actually uh, an expert who was also involved in the MDR and IVDR designation uh, of a notified body according to the new rules, which you have actually the experience and the knowledge what authorities are expecting from notified bodies and what notified bodies will be expecting from a manufacturer. No, I think it's great. So I really recommend you to call uh, Basilacra. Uh, so where people can follow up with you then? Uh, you, can, you can find us on the different social media. You can reach out to us, uh, but you will find also under our website, uniquegroup.com. You can find all kinds of information. And uh, if you want to contact us, uh, it's very easy, info at uniquegroup.com. And then you can reach out to us and you ask us what you are looking for. And we are happy to get back to you with our uh, service packages and help you prepare for the changes. No, great. So thank you. Thank you, Basil. And uh, I'm sure this will help a lot of manufacturers that are looking now for a solution maybe to move uh, forward with their, uh, with their uh, certification. Okay, so great. So thank you, Basil. Um, uh, I will put anyway all the links on the show notes uh, that we talked about today uh, so that people can follow up with you uh, and also can also look at, uh, we talked about the expert panel, so the link about the expert panel, and then uh, to be ready you know, as soon as this is, uh, this is available. Okay, so um, thank you, uh, Basile. Thank you for all the people that are listening to the podcast. So uh, we are uh, now uh, reaching a high level. <laughs> we are now in our second part of uh, our journey from the 100th episode to the 200th episode. So follow up with us. So don't forget to go to the YouTube channel to um, subscribe and also to pro provide us some comments there. If there is any comments, I will provide that to uh, Basile so if, uh, if you can answer to them. And don't forget also if you are listening to the podcast uh, on your car or while you are doing your workout. Don't forget also to go and to provide a review on the podcast uh, provider, so Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Okay, so thank you, Basile, uh, and uh, I hope to see you to another episode for another topic, and maybe or, or, or again this one, if we have more information about the expert panel. Thank you, Monier, for inviting me to be here and looking forward for the future podcast. Thanks thank a lot. Thank you. I wish you a nice day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much. 